Welcome to the STC Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Louise, and my co-host is Nat Jurek. This is a podcast for high-achieving women who train and want to get lean, strong, and feel confident AF, both inside and out. Together with our team of STC Fit Coaches, we've taken thousands of clients from body insecurity stemming from a lack of results, uncertainty over what to do, and fear of weight gain to body confidence built on a foundation of results and certainty in the process. On this podcast, you'll get discussions on mindset, nutrition, programming, training, and lifestyle with the intent of cutting through the BS and providing you with the information you need to accelerate your pathway to body confidence. rolling hi nat how are you going i'm good how are you good it's so weird filming a podcast two days in a row i know i know like uh we're just here (laughs) well today we are super lucky to have a another special guest with us in the form of kat john so kat is an authenticity coach and potentially most well known for the zero fucks movement uh kat's a speaker she has her own called Real, Raw and Relatable. She also hosts meditation and mass dance meets of which I have been to one um, and is inspiring people to come back to their most authentic selves. So without further ado, welcome Kat. <laughs> Thank you gals. Thank you gal pals. It's, it's great to be here. Thank you. We were just having a chat before I pressed record about uh, how the woman that we coach is that high achiever perfectionist mindset who often does let limiting beliefs get in the way of um, where she's at. And I think you were saying, you know, sometimes this even happens to you, Kat, still it's something that you're still working with and it's Mm -hmm. a big part of what you do. So I'm wondering, and this doesn't have to be the short version, would you mind taking us through your story? So from where you were that led you to where you are now as an authenticity coach? Yeah, for sure. I guess, um, the way I see things in in this world, because I see this world as a world of contrast. We have, uh, you know, two, always two opposing things going on. And if you look at the most basic of like hot, cold, black, white, on, off, that kind of stuff, um, there's the opposing forces. And I guess me now as an authenticity coach, to be that and to own that, uh, I definitely came from a place of not being authentic, not being my authentic self. So that has been a huge journey for me, um, a very uncomfortable journey, one that, <laughs> you know, um, I'm glad that I went through to be where I am now so I can help so many other people. But I guess, you know, when, you know, tracking back to where sort of things kind of began and then how things kind of evolved into a real big mess, messy first, you know, two decades of life, um, so as a, as a child, as a six-year-old girl, I was sexually abused. And that, uh, you know, I remember it happening once and that kind of, I kind of like blanked it out after, after that. And then four years later, when I was at the age of 10, it resurfaced. Uh, and prior to that, I don't really remember, you know, not being myself, I, maybe, you know, like grade four, grade five, being in school. Um, I do recall like personality traits of, of wanting to be liked and, and doing some unfavorable, unfavorable things either to other people or even to myself in order to get that acceptance from the cool person or the person who I wanted to get the approval from. So I do recall a little bit of that taking place. 
Um, but when I was 10 and I remember what uh, happened, I spoke to someone close to me, a family member close to me who I love and trusted and, and still do, uh, and was, was told that what I was saying was not true and that I'm a liar and that um, to never talk about it again. So I think that was my, if I remember, that was my first memory of, fuck, I have this truth that I know inside of me, but I have now all of these thoughts that are like, fuck, am I I a liar? Am I this? Am I that? Like, what's wrong with me? So I really remember that as the first point of um, what are these two voices inside of my head? Or what's this feeling inside of me that was like, this is the truth versus these are the thoughts now inside of my head that I'm a liar, that I'm a this, that I'm a that. Um, so then when I was at the age of 12, I started sort of acting out. I was, I was aggressive. I was, um, you know, I was mean to some of my friends. And one of my friends said, hey, I think you should like chat to someone about this. Uh, and I spoke to her about what had happened when I was a child. And she said, go speak to the school counsellor. So I spoke to her. She recommended that I, that I tell my family And again, it wasn't received amazingly. Uh, It was received and then the frustration or the anger, the pain was bypassed and it was just anger and frustration about why I didn't say anything sooner. So again, there was all this evidence building inside of my head that, fuck, like, am I making this shit up? Uh, Is something wrong with me? What is wrong with me? But then in this in this part of me, like I knew that something happened. Um, so yeah, it was, it was that, it was that, that just started, I guess, to grow and advance, grow and advance this inner knowing and this, uh, these voices in my head. And so I guess over time, I started to squash that inner knowing. I started to squash it down, repress it, hide it anywhere that I could, but that then um, started to, I guess, leak out in unconscious ways of um, controlling my eating, obsessive compulsive behaviours. I was bulimic for some time, throwing up my food, being out of control with uh, with, with eating and then, you know, wanting to, to get rid of it, always wanting, being, being body image obsessed. And then all the stuff of low self-worth and thinking that uh, I deserve to be treated like shit when I was younger and I am a, I am a liar and I am a sack of shit it really started to get loud when I was in my teenage years. And so uh, sort of long story short, that was kind of like what life was like as a teenager. And as a result, I was sort of, you know, um, going out with different guys, would let, would let anything kind of take place because I had very poor boundaries. Um, and then by the time I hit 18, I was out partying on the drugs, trying to escape pain you know, um, inner pain, the emotional pain. And it worked for a bit. It was great. I was free. I was like, oh, my God, i got no problems in the world. And I was studying nursing at the time. Uh, and then all of these, when I, when I would be out and partying, um, these hallucinations started taking place and they were, they were of demons. But often the demons had, had sometimes it had my face on them. And I was like, fuck, these are my demons. I just knew they were my demons to come and face. So around that time, there were sort of two things going on. The demons were coming back for me to face, but also when I was out partying, I got this really weird flare-up of chronic pain. So um, I'll address the demons that were coming up 
I guess I knew that this was my past needing to be looked at and I needed to get it out of me. And, and I remember there was one time I sat, I was sitting in the rumpus room in my old place with my parents. So they were away and I was watching Oprah and she was interviewing a psychologist uh, who was, who helped kids um, and, and people who had been sexually abused who, who said people who have, they need to know that it's not their fault. And I remember sitting in, in the room and it was like a pin fucking dropped in the, in the space and all this tension, all this stuff that I had been carrying, I just released it and I cried and I cried and I cried and I cried and I cried. And it was like the, the opening of the floodgates that was like, I'm going to deal with this shit. I need to deal with this. I'm not going to not face it anymore. So I reached out to my family and I just said, I'm a fucking mess. You guys know that I'm a mess. Um, I need to sort this out. I need to, I need to heal this because I know it's there. I know it happened. I know it's true. I don't know what to do, but I got to go and do it. So then I started seeing psychologists and uh, reading Louise Hay book, You Can Heal Your Life. Like that was all around at 1920, I think. So I was on, I was on the journey, but still a mess. But like I said, also around that time, I had developed this uh, nerve pain in my body that continued to get worse and worse. And when I finished my nursing degree and went into the hospitals, um, it was it was really, really bad. And, and at that time, when I shifted over to hospital nursing, I, I stopped taking recreational drugs, but then I became addicted to pain medication because this pain was, was really uncomfortable. Uh, I don't know if you've experienced nerve pain or anyone listening has, it's like fire, it's like fire being lit inside and you don't know how to put it out. And sometimes my body would feel like lead. It would feel heavy. Um, I would need pillows like all around me to try and sleep properly. It was just this weird, weird pain. Anyway, so for three years, I was in the nursing scene, uh, in hospital nursing, taking the medication. It wasn't getting any better. Um, I was putting on weight. I wasn't moving my body as much um, because I was sort of frightened of what's going to make me be in more pain. I started to be become sort of like a recluse, didn't want to go out. Um, so after three years of, of hospital nursing, I thought I'll leave traditional nursing because maybe that's the problem. Uh, maybe I'll leave and then, I'll, and then I, I started working for a plastic surgery practice. And uh, three months into that job, I was at the top of the stairs to go get the next patient. and. I couldn't walk. I, my, I didn't know how to walk. Uh, and my boss looked at me and he's like, what are you doing? I said, dude, I don't know how to walk. Like, seriously, this is not a joke. And, and he freaked out. I freaked out, took me across to the Epworth hospital, got an MRI done. And I got fast track because he knew people in there. Uh, two days later, we get a report. None of us could fucking read what it was. We're like, what the hell is this? And then um, he sent it off to a, a neurosurgeon who then said, I will see her in two days. And he's usually booked out for six months. And I was like, fucking hell, what is this shit? So by that time, I was kind of like, I'm pretty jacked off with my life. You know, I was abused as a child. I still, I had a, I have a loving family, but, you know, just not a family that would speak openly about things. So, you know, it was always uncomfortable. I was repressing stuff, OCD and those kind of behaviors, drug abuse. And believe me, I was like, oh my God, if this is something else, like I don't know how I can handle it. I just don't, I don't think I can handle it. So we got to the office. He 
basically straight away said, uh, you have got a congenital brain condition that is slowly turning you into a paraplegic. And within six months, you will need to learn how to walk all over again because your nerves will be so badly damaged. And that's what's going on inside your body right now. Your nerves are being compressed in weird, kinky ways and they're not, nothing's functioning um, properly. You've got these benign tumours in your spine from all this blocked fluid and uh, your brain is, is not getting the cerebrospinal fluid at the, at the rate that it's meant to be getting it in order for you to move freely. So six weeks later I was in having brain surgery and everyone was like, please fucking Jesus, Mary and Joseph, let this work because by then I was, I was the negative Nancy. I was the person you didn't want to be around. Uh, my poor boyfriend at the time and my brother who I was living with, and I was 23, so I was pretty young. Um, so I had the surgery. We're all super hopeful. Uh, it fixed everything structurally, but it did not fix the nerve damage because for five years the nerves were being compressed in such a way that they didn't bounce right back. So my surgeon put me on this drug, um, which is an antipsychotic. And for people who have pain, it tries to reroute reroute the brain to say hey you're not actually in pain um but as a result it dulled it dulled all any sparkle that might have been left which wasn't much anyway so everything was black and white well actually everything was black I saw the world through my eyes of black and I hated everyone I hated everything I hated myself I didn't trust that people could be happy I was just jaded as fuck and my boss actually said you can't come to work like this because I was being an asshole to patients um I wasn't my I wasn't me I just wasn't me this drug was me I wasn't actually me and so this pattern of 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 suppressing my true self in the first you know 20 years of my life that I that I can remember was just so apparent you know, it was like, when the fuck can I be myself? When, how can I be? How can I be me? How can I express me? And it just was like, I don't know when, if, if this is ever going to happen. So I guess my mentality got even darker. The dark thoughts in my head were really loud and I had no tools, no tools available to me. I was like, when am I going to get a break? Who's going to, where, when is this break ever going to come? Am I ever going to catch a break? I'm like, what have I done wrong in a past life to, 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 to deserve this? So I was kind of blaming something out there and not taking responsibility. So I wrote my email, my family an email. And I just said, like, I've, I've, I've had it. This is, I'm done. I'm over this. I can't live like this. I either need a radical solution or I'm out. So long story short, mum worked at a hospital. She knew uh, another nurse there who spoke to her husband, who's the head of ICU, who spoke to his friend, who's a neurologist. And um, they shared my story with him. And he said, I'll see her in three weeks. And it usually takes nine months to see this guy. He said, you know, she sounds like she's in a mess and I'll, I'll see her. So this is where things started to shift and change, where I went in there with my mum and dad either side. And I was like, you know, he's probably going to recommend another drug. He's probably going to recommend surgery. Uh, like that was kind of it. And I was sort of like hoping for that because I wanted something to fix me. And he was the guy that I actually interviewed him on my podcast. Um, and he said to me, there is 
there is a way that you could live pain-free. There is a life, there is a life available to you where you could live pain-free. He said, but you got to work for it. You got to work for it. He said, there's no silver bullet. There is no easy answer here. You've been dealt a very shit card. There's no doubt about that. He said, but if you want it, you can have it. And he gave me the analogy of an Olympic athlete. He said, an Olympic athlete will train their fucking asses off, didn't swear, um, for the gold medal, for gold, silver, or bronze, right? They will train. They will train through their eating, through their rest periods, through their body, through their mind. They will train and they'll do whatever they, they need to do. And he said, I know you're not wanting to be an Olympic athlete. He said, but you want something. There is something that you want that's not in your hands right now. He said, tell me what that is. And I kind of just pondered for a moment I said you know what I want to be free I want to be free to be me I want to be free to be happy I want to be free to be myself I want to be free to do whatever the fuck I want because right now I'm not free I'm trapped in like how do I not be in pain that's all I'm trapped in and he said okay so your gold medal is freedom he said what I want you to do is imagine every day, imagine what you look like, what you sound like, what, it's, what, what everything looks like when you are free. So it was, he was telling me to imagine, to, to dream, to visualise without using those words. And he said, and then I want you to act in favour of the freedom you. So this was me now at 24, like really getting the 101 on manifestation. And this guy was not talking about manifestation. He was just talking about retraining the brain and neuroplasticity. I was like, who the fuck is this cuckoo nest? Because who, what neurosurgeon, what neurologist is, is, is giving this advice, you know? And he said, do this for 12 months. Don't miss a day. And then I want you to come back to me. He said, because I just think you might be able to fix this yourself. He said, but you really got to want it. So I uh, walked out of there. I asked if I could stop all the yucky drugs and he said, I can. Um, I was on a low dose, but I was very sensitive to it. So I stopped it. And then that's the day where I, I really swapped over medication for meditation. Like I know that sounds, oh, my God, how corny, but it's true. It's true. I went inward. I started going inward rather than looking outward. And I shit you not, every day when I would wake up, I'd, I'd feel the pain in my body. I could hear the voices in my head of, if you don't take pills, you're going to be a bitch. If you don't take pills, you're going to be like this. If you don't take pills, you're going to be like that. And I just thought, oh, I have to, I have to block that out. I have to not let that beat me anymore because that's what's been beating me down. And so I would continue to visualize myself free, feel all the pain in my body and be like, this is such a crock of fucking shit. And then act in favor of myself as being free. And I kept getting the answer to move my body, to move my body because I wasn't moving my body, to walk, to gentle walk, to gentle run, to go to Pilates, to go to this, to go to the gym, to start doing whatever it may be, go on the cross trainer. And that became my, my cycle. That became my focus for that 12 months. And I, as a result, because I was, I was, I was so focused on freedom, I didn't even know that I was losing weight. I didn't even know that I was feeling better. I didn't even know that I didn't need the pain medication anymore because I was like, freedom, you are fucking mine because this is life or death for me. So I grabbed onto freedom and 10 months into this, 
Like I think I'd lost 12 kilos, but I wasn't, I wasn't flogging myself. I was just acting in favor of freedom. And so um, I'd lost 12 kilos and I was pain-free. I had no medication in my system for, for 10 months and I was happy. I was, I was like, holy shit, I have now brought freedom into my life. It's no longer separate from myself. And so that was the day when I was like, what the fuck have I unlocked inside of me? And I need to do something. I need to do something more with this. So I kept asking myself, well, what other gold medals in air quotes do I want for myself? You know, if I could get freedom, like what, what else do I want for me? So I started looking at, you know, my purpose, or I started looking at what do I really want to be doing here in this life. What do I, who do I really want to be? How do I get X, Y, Z? And so I just, I just then kept using the same formula on these different gold medals. And that then started to go, okay, I want to leave nursing. I want to serve this. I want to teach this. And I would, I'd go to courses. I was learning heaps at that stage. I had coaches and all the rest. And it just then led me to what I now do with all the people that I get to serve. That's probably the most powerful story I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <it's> fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's so many questions <laughs> coming out of that story. Mm. I think the first one is when you started that process, that 10-month process of that visualisation cat, and I know you said, you know, you're waking up every morning feeling the pain and going, but you know what, this freedom is just, it means so much to me and I'm going to go for it. Yeah. Were there any days or weeks in, in there that you were questioning the process at all? I'm just super curious. 100%. 100%. Um, every day. I would question the process, even now, like to be real, whenever I want to manifest something and bring it to life, I'm like, this isn't going to fucking work because we have that voice inside of us. We have what I call what's known to be the ego, that incessant fucking voice that's like, ah, 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 ah. this isn't going to work. Please don't grow. Please don't change. Please don't evolve because to the ego, us evolving, us growing, us changing, and that doesn't mean you know, just physically, that can mean, you know, wanting to become more soft and feminine, more gentle, living a life that is easier and at a pace and rhythm that's like, oh my God, I can fucking actually breathe, right? If, if that's the end game, but currently the way you're living is like, you know, rat race, that ego is like, oh, please don't change because if you do, I don't know what to do I don't know what the new reality is. It doesn't like uncertainty. So every single day I would question, like, is this, is this ever going to work? Is this actually going to work? Like it, it seemed too simple and too, you know, like, is this it? Is this it? Do I just need to know what I want, visualize it, and then act in favor of it? Like, is that it? And to be, to be, to be, you know, to be real, that's what was it. That's all that was it. But I needed to determine a true vision for myself, like a true gold medal for myself, because we can also create false gold medals, right? To be like super skinny, super thin, super whatever, which is actually ego driven. 
But what that professor, it was just the way he asked me, it immediately took me to my heart. And I was like, I want to be fucking free to be, to be myself, to do as I please, to live life the way that I want. And that, the way that I, you know, landed in that, I was like, that vision is so compelling that even though I think it's a crock of shit, even though I think it might not work, the vision was, was like, it was just going, come on, cat, come on, cat, come on, cat, come on, cat. So yeah, it was, it was hard. It was really hard because I had the voice, that egoic voice inside going, uh-uh, not going to work. And it, it had all the evidence of, well, this new way had no evidence of working. So the ego was like, this is just, this is, this is rubbish. This is, this is woo-woo-hoo-ha shit. So, yeah. I had this, I had this Reiki experience once where, and I went into that very pessimistic. I had this experience once where the word freedom came up for me and the feeling and the imagery that I got was of jumping off a cliff. Mm. And it was like, it was a simultaneous feeling of like, free for maybe I'm going to die, but real freedom. Yeah. It was a very strange experience. And I came out of that, like, this is a possibility for me. I know it's a possibility for me. And at the same time, it feels really fucking scary. Yes. Um, And that was maybe over a year ago now. And, you know, it's something that I'm practicing and in the process of, because I, I definitely struggle with trying to control every little thing that's happening around me mm. um, and, and like you were talking about trying to be likable or you know doing things to people please and mm-hmm. perfectionism is is something I think I've made the most progress with but still like showing up in a way that you know that I'm likable is still a big thing and trying to control situations a lot and it's like I know that there is this other feeling place for me yes I think I was talking to Nat yesterday actually about a book I'd read called Letting Go, which is a fantastic book. But in it, he's talking about just letting go of things that, you know, really aren't serving us and we can see my cat now. Yeah. But I said to Nat, you know, throughout this whole book, I was looking for this super complicated process that was so true. And Mm -hmm. I'm looking at the pages. Is there like a missing page? Like where Mm -hmm. is this complicated Mm -hmm. process? And I read this maybe two years ago and I read Two weeks ago, I realized, oh, it's a feeling place. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> it's so annoying how simple it is. It's annoying. No yeah. different when you're when you talk to me about like all my health stuff. It's so it's so simple. And I'm like, oh, come on, where is the where is the 500 page manual? I think the hardest thing is when you know that it can be that simple, but at the same time you have that resistance because it's your ego being like, fuck no, I don't know what's on the other side of that. So we're not letting go, but consciously being aware that it's that easy to let go in practice is just like butting your head against the wall. Why can't I get this? Amen, man. Amen. (laughs) It's something that shows up with, pretty much every woman that we coach Mm. something we talk a lot about I think this might be a really good time to touch on like with the visualization thing it's a task that we get we get our women to do but the the concept of that be do have in your experience Kat as a coach and and helping clients move that through that process themselves or just you know if they've never heard of it don't understand what it is I guess 
how do you how do you bring that to them and is there any particular process that you go through with them to opening them up to that and experiencing what they do have can be you mean like with Bidu have like embodying, like yeah. actually having, yeah, 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 yeah. So because embodiment is the, it's the final, it's the final thing, right? Because, you know, having having ideas or like an idea of what you want your life to be like or how you want to be or a con, a concept, even, even understanding a concept of like, yeah, let go, yeah, let go, yeah, let go. It's a concept. And it's like there, there's that, there's that, fine line between just knowing it and then letting it land in the body so I guess with all of my clients um I bring I bring uh simple but you know quite big concepts to them and you know they can be like yeah 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 yeah." I'm like cool enough with the yeah yeah yes now you're going to experience this so I guess I always um, I make them experience it either through meditation or either through a journaling process or either through an act, an act, right? Doing something. Because like you say, be, do, have, it is the, the doing that then, you know, it may not happen in the first doing. It may not happen in the second doing. It may not happen in the, in the third experience of whatever it is that I'm asking them to do. But then something fucking goes, oh, shit, I get it, I get it. And it's I say it to my clients and you've said it to me too before, Amy, in, in your um, checkups with me, there's an accumulative effect, right? There's an accumulative effect of like doing, 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 and not just doing for the sake of doing, but like intentional doing, intentional doing, intentional work, whether like for my clients, whether it's meditation or they have to have a hard chat or they have to have that conversation that they're like, oh, I can, I can have it in my head, but not actually willing to do it with their boss or with their partner or with whatever. Um, it's when they do it and they do it more, then they get to have the experience of feeling more confident. They get to have the experience of, oh, wow, that's what authenticity feels like. They get to have the experience of whatever else. So just like you with, with your clients and with me, what you do with me, it's no different to what I have them do. It's just different, different practices. It's been so powerful for us. So for Nat and I, like personally engaging in that and then, of course, helping our clients engage with it. And like you said, it can be a process over time and then there's those penny drop moments. Actually, actually, I had a client this morning who, who messaged me. She, she's a client who has had trouble with the scale weight before and it meaning that she's you know, X, Y, Z in a negative sense. Mm. And we've been working through that with her and she messaged me. She's like, and she's actually lost like 30 kilos. So she's been on a huge journey over the last few years, right? She messaged me this morning. She was like, you know, I jumped on the scale and it was, it was up and I had the thoughts come through my head. And then I just said, you know, what am I making this mean about me? Mm. I got that out. I worked through the internal processes. I chose again and I went on my way. And she's like, I just wanted to reach out because the 30 kilos lost or whatever, all of those physical transformations today, that has been my greatest achievement so far. Mm-hmm. And it's just that it's those moments where it's like practice, 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 and it hits. And it's like- exactly, 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 exactly. With meditation, Kat, it's something that 
is foreign to a lot of our clients and Mm -hmm. they still may which is totally fine they still may be of the thought process that maybe it's woo woo and and it's not effective and they've tried it and the thoughts are just rushing around and they can't focus and there's a lot of resistance to it yeah and I'm wondering if you could sort of from a 101 perspective actually Kat just talk us through what the benefits of meditation might be, what a practice might look like if someone does want to do it but is experiencing resistance, is there potentially something that they could try or what is it meant to look like, I guess? I guess um, there's there's what it's meant to look like and then there's what it actually looks like, yeah. right? And I speak about it pretty openly on my Instagram where I record it actually once where I'm like, I am going to press record here And then I'm going to verbally tell you what is going on in my head, right? So I put the phone there and I just recorded it for six minutes. And I said, okay, right now I am thinking that Steve is making noises downstairs and it's really fucking annoying me in this meditation, yada, 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 yada. And then I would go in in this little video, I'd be like, that's okay. I'm just going to take three deep breaths. I'm going to listen to the sounds that I can hear, what I can smell, what I can taste, what I can sense around me, et cetera. And then throughout the whole six minutes, I literally was like, I can hear this. I can hear that. My head, my head is focusing on this, but now I'm going to go back to my breath. Now I'm going to go back to what I can hear, smell, taste, touch, et cetera. So I guess, firstly, there are so many different ways to meditate. So, so many different. And the, 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 the two, I'm always best if I talk from my own experience. The two that I typically use, one is a practice of just be present and choose what you want to pay attention to. So that's usually my six-minute meditation. I did it this morning where for six minutes, all I want to do is just be in the practice of observing my thoughts when I am when I am the thought, like, oh, my fucking stepdaughter's coughing, how annoying. Oh, this car is like ruining my meditation. Oh, my God. Like that's when I am the thought. So when I do that, when I when I notice that, I'm like, that's okay. Now become the observer and then choose to what I, what am I hearing? What can I smell? What can I taste? Etc. It's the most boring practice on the planet, but it helps me keep my mind disciplined for when I'm in everyday life and I'm focusing on shit that doesn't matter or when I'm caught up in my thought, just like you said about your client who, you know, could have got caught up in the thought of, oh my God, I, I weigh heavier. This means this about me. This means that about me. But in that moment, she's like, actually, I'm going to re-fucking set that. I'm going to choose what I want to think about it. So that practice helps me in, in my then living in real life life to, to discern when I'm in a thought and how to get out of the thought and become more of that observer. The second and most powerful way that I use meditation is to really get in touch with my inner self. You know, that inner self that knew all along that something happened to me when I was a child, but I didn't want to listen to. You know, it's that inner voice that we all have that's like, hey, I don't think we're happy in this relationship. Or that inner voice that's like, hey, I think that you're showing up in a way to the world that isn't actually you. And we're like, fuck off. You are going to make my life hard if I listen to you. Just sit down, <laughs> girlfriend, you know? So it, I, I, 
it's, it's, it's my most favorable practice. In the beginning, it wasn't because I was. I was afraid of listening to what that inner voice would say because it would mean change. It would mean for me to, to soften or to level up or to try this or to try that. Um, but now it's my most favorite practice because I will get quiet. I actually just did a post on it where I get quiet I take my big deep breaths and I often pose a question to my inner voice where I might say things like, you know, what do you want to share with me today? What do you want to share with me today? Or what do you know that I'm ready to hear that I might be afraid to hear? Um, or what truth can you share with me that's good, that will be good for me in my life? And so I have an intention that I want to ask this inner voice. And like I said, everyone has it. So this can be a very relatable way to begin meditating. Um, so I ask the question and I get quiet and I, and I just be in that space of, of being willing to receive that answer and I just listen. I'm just in the mode of listening and getting in touch with that inner voice because getting in touch with that inner voice means we develop self-trust because we're listening to ourselves. We're taking the time to actually listen to ourselves. So we're developing self-trust. We're developing self-respect because we are respecting that we have this inner voice, this, this something that we can't fucking see but we can feel. It's inside of us. So that's developing self-respect. If we act upon whatever that says, we're, we're building self-belief, you know, and courage and confidence and, and all of that juicy stuff that we want to feel. So I guess, you know, yes, there are those, you know, beautiful things about meditation that, uh, are the benefits of lowering cortisol, turning off the, you know, the stress response inside of us and, and um, having our own ways to like centralize again, to, to go back into neutral rather than into fifth gear all the time or in reverse. It's like, I want to use this practice to self-regulate because a lot of us don't know how to self-regulate. So there's those benefits of self-regulation. Then there's those benefits of of developing, um, you know, greater trust within ourselves, compassion for others, learning to be more creative. And it's like just before I wanted to write a post and I was like, oh, I don't know what to write. Everything I write is boring. I want to write something that's like so inspirational that like it's viral hits, you know. <laughs> I was thinking that. I was thinking that. And I was like, all right, I'm in my fucking thinking brain. I'm in my ego that's like all about outside, outside, outside. So I just said, okay got quiet, turned on some beautiful music. I always couple my meditations with beautiful emotive music, except when I'm doing the six minute quiet one. And I was like, okay, what message do, does my truth want to share with everyone today? And it was actually the process of how to get quiet and listen to the self and then act upon it. So that just became my post, you know? So I use that. The benefit of using that is you can use it for anything. Because you can take whatever question, like, you know, what, what do I need to hear about the state of my current relationship? Or what will help me open up to, to actually letting a relationship in? What will help me right now trust the process? And if you're quiet enough and just be patient and practice, patient, practice, patient, practice, the, the, the voice will speak more loudly. And there will be less judgment of it, less, 
really? Is it really that fucking simple? Is it really that fucking easy? Is it really just la 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 la? You know, so if I go to, yeah, my two, my two go-tos, one is, I guess, to practice real mental tools, uh, that six-minute one, sometimes 12 minutes. And then the other one is really getting touch with that, you know, magic inside of us. With, with the visualisation, cat, I had this really interesting experience where I realised when I was doing it because I do like to uh, do this fairly often just creating like my future self and like yeah for a future right but you know what I realized I realized that I'd been coming at it from a place still of that egoic voice of so this is what I want and then my brain is like oh but how like that's not logical like how mm. would you actually do that blah 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 so what I ended up writing down was you know watered down versions of what I truly felt mm. like I want right so and then I would read this thing and it wouldn't feel quite right every day. And, you know, some things, of course, happen. Like there's some really cool stories I've got that have happened from it. But parts of it just wouldn't gel. And it would be those parts that just were clunky, you know. And it's still something I'm working through. I just revisited this a couple of weeks ago and had that same experience and was talking to a coach of mine about this and potentially the place that I came to the visualization work wasn't from an aligned self place. Mm. I had this task. I'm going to do my little, you know, future visioning process. Um, and it's very like, you know, I guess more, like you said, externally oriented, like I'm going to do this because this means it's done. Yes. I should be doing this. Um, not that authentic place. So in terms of the visualization cat, um, and I guess this comes from that, you know, the meditation practice as well. Is that something you're still doing daily? And do you make sure you get in alignment first? How does that look for you? Yeah, so I guess I have a few different um, visualization practices. So one is like the big, big kahuna where twice a year I do a particular meditation where it's like a 40 minute meditation called the land of gold. And I go into uh, the land of gold is a representation of the heart. So I take myself on this little journey and I take my clients through this as well, my one-on-one coaching clients. Um, take, you know, you go through this little journey and you land in this land of gold and, and it's your heart, right? And you, you, you know, you take a wander through it, you have a look around it and you start to discover what's in there. And it's basically your heart going, this is, this is what's here for you. This is what's here for you. This is what's here for you, and it and it reveals only what um, only what it wants you to see for that period of time. So I do that twice a year. Then, once I'm writing it down, I write everything down. I then create a compelling. Well, firstly, I write everything down, and then I pull out the major themes. So some of the major themes could be like collaboration. It could be, um, you know, my authentic self. It could be. Uh, you know, wealth and abundance through doing what I love, that kind of thing. Then what I do is I go about creating compelling end results. So for example, one of my end results a long time ago, which is still there, but I've transformed it, was I choose the end result of sharing my heart's message on the world stage. Because in the land of gold, I saw this image of me sitting on top of the world, like swinging my legs and the whole world was just listening but I had a microphone to my heart, not to my mouth. And so when I reread that, 
I was like, okay, so there's a thing there about speaking my truth. And then I was like, a compelling end result is a choosing result of sharing my heart's message on the world stage. And I was like, wow, just thinking about that, I'm like, fuck yeah. So then there's a process that then um, kind of breaks it down. So it's like end result is share heart's message on the world stage, go into the vision of that. And so then I would visualize what that would look like and I'd write it all down. I would then um, see where I was actually at in relation to that. So where am I now in reality in relation to that end result? So it might be, you know, um, I'm doing this, that or the other, but I'm scared to go to that next level for fear of judgment, for fear of this, for fear of that. Then I would write what my ego had to say about that end result because the ego is something that it's always coming with us when we manifest. So to try and ignore it, it's like it's going to, it's going to start to fuck with you sooner or later. So you may as well just address whatever it has to say. So my ego would say things, you know, like no one gives a fuck about you. You don't have a right to speak. You've got nothing important to say really like you know all the uppercuts all the fucking you know like rib punches and all that kind of shit and then I would ask myself what is my next best step to creating this end result what is my next best step and for example that's how I got the answer to well that's how I started my podcast because my next best step was to create a podcast and it it actually gave me the name real raw relatable podcast And so since doing that, I think I've had my podcast now for one or two years. It has been, it's blown up bananas. It has pulled in, you know, so many people to work with, so many many collaborations, so many clients. It's like, wow, that one little thing that wasn't even in my little head to think about creating one, it just was there. So that's a big one that I do. And I'll go through phases of like doing that, doing those end results every day, or maybe three times a week, maybe once a week. But then I have these two other practices where I will write out like my next perfect day. And this is a really one I really love to do where I'm like in my next perfect day. And I go through the whole day of like how I wake up and the pace and rhythm of my life and who's in my life and just typically what I would do on my most ideal motherfucking day from start to finish and I would just you know my I might do that for a couple of weeks just to really let that sink into my subconscious and then another one that I do is um, a letter writing process from my future self to my current self Um, so if it was Kat from 2023 she'd be writing the letter going hey Kat it's Kat from 2023 I got some cool shit that I want to share with you that's going on in 2023 um because I know right now you might be feeling X, Y, Z. So let me just give you a little bit of a teaser and then I'll just write my heart out. So in answer to your question, I will always get myself into state where I choose to be of highest service to myself. I play emotive music that gets me in my heart, not in my head. Um, So for me to get into state, it's choosing to be of highest service to myself uh, and to the world. And I play emotive music. And so that, for me personally, it then has me writing from here, not from my head. And they're the kind of three, and I might have little variations, but they're the three that I typically play with an interchange. So you sort of just touched on it before when you mentioned the ego is always going to come along for the ride. 
It's mm-hmm. going to know when you, you know, you're going up to that next level. So it's probably going to be a little bit louder. Yes. So something that I guess the girls that we work with, whether they're aware or not, some of them are starting to become really aware of that voice because of the work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. But some of the feedback that we've been getting is like, you know, I can hear it, but I don't really know, you know, how do I deal with it? What do I mm-hmm. do with it? You know, mm-hmm. I can hear that voice. I know that I'm X, I'm Y, I'm Z. I can hear those limiting beliefs. And right now that feels really, really true for me. Mm. So like creating distance between those unhelpful thoughts and being able to you know create space between that and choose to act differently what's your sort of message in terms of allowing your ego to be there because we know that we can't get rid of it but sort of inviting it along and allowing it to still be a part of the process but not dictate the choices that you make and you know the behaviors that you engage in exactly the more the more anyone does this work of what does my ego have to say what does my truth have to say and, and really splitting those two up, there becomes this distinct um, feeling or distinct knowing, like, that's my shit, that's my truth, right? In the beginning, you're not going to know the difference. It's the, the, the ego has, has been the truth for so long, right? So then when intuition or whatever else comes in, it's like, huh, which is which, you know? And the ego is very, very fucking sneaky. It's very sneaky. It can disguise itself as like, oh, I'm here to serve your best interest at heart, but it's actually, it actually doesn't, you know. So I guess it's first and foremost in the beginning, discerning between the two, please just accept it's not going to be easy. It is not going to be easy. So what I do either for myself or for my coaching clients is I actually have a specific process where they ego clear called the ego clearing exercise and I've actually done an episode specifically on this in my podcast called I think how to clear your ego or clear your ego and it goes through very distinct steps of like what's the situation so for example I've stepped on the scales this morning and I weigh three kilos heavier you know what are your what are the thoughts about that I'm a fat piece of shit I'm a fucking loser this will never fucking work for me what what is wrong with me Nat and fucking Amy are liars you know, this works for everyone except me. What's wrong with my fucking body proportions? You know, I've done everything. I've done everything this week to the to the T, and it's still not happening for me. And then it's, what are your feelings about this? I feel defeated. I feel ashamed. I feel embarrassed. I feel angry. Right. So it's like. Um, it's just it's what what this this ego clearing it's actually deconstructing the ego rather than it being just this one giant raw fucking monster from monsters inc it's deconstructing it and going here's a situation let's see what you think let's see what the feelings are and then there's a process of what is this mean what am i making this mean about me what's my ego making this mean about me and it can be you know that nothing ever works out for me or life is hard like everything is hard for me and then it's well, what is what does your ego think about others others get it easy others have better genetics others have better metabolisms others have others have x and i don't and so what it does is it kind of just gives the microphone to the ego and go you know what have a chat go on get up on stage center stage spotlight and chuck your fucking tanty and chuck it hard 
chuck it hard, you know. Like when I began with Amy in, in this work of, of my body transformation, oh, my God, so many times I'm like, oh, my God, every week I'm like, I look fucking fat. My, the scale isn't fucking changing. Nothing's fucking changing. Nothing's happening quick enough, you know. And so I would need to just get that out of me because it was so was so real and I think also too when it comes to our bodies when it comes to body image like wow that ego can be next level next level is for me anyway so answer to your question there's uh when it's really really loud like give it all the stage give it all the stage but have a process around it and a boundary boundary around it to go okay you've had the stage now get the fuck off you know, because if you let it stay on the stage, then it'll just be the whole day going, you're a worthless sack of shit. You're never going to have what you want. You're never going to be like this. You're never going to be like that. Everyone else is happy. And it's then, then the mood, our mood starts to flatten. Then we start to act and behave in ways that are in alignment with the thought. Then we fuck ourselves over. So giving it, giving it an ego moment, give it the stage. and then have the discipline this is the hardest part it's the discipline to leave it the fuck alone and get back in touch with the vision get back in touch with the future self get back in touch with where was I before my ego just fucking knifed me is this heavily related to the zero fucks poop and cat is that what it's all about yep Because, you know, it's so important to know that the zero fucks movement, it's not about, I I know at surface level can be like, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck about that. I don't give a fuck about you. I don't give a fuck about anything. Not that at all. This in true essence, it's about giving zero fucks or less fucks to those thoughts, to that ego that seems so so true and so real. It's like, I no longer give you my fucks, a.k.a. energy, time, attention, focus, all of me. I just don't want to do that anymore because there are so many things out there that I want to channel or save my fucks for, you know. So it always starts from within because so many of us are like, I don't, I, I care what they think and what they think and what they think. It's like, nah, man. You know, don't put the blame and onus on other people for why you're not doing what you're doing. You have to own that yourself. You're projecting your own shit onto others and going, they're going to make fun of me. And it's like, no, your ego is the only one making fun of you. Truly is the only one making fun of you right now. So, yeah, the the, the real work of the zero fucks is just, you know, it, it's not caring as much about the thoughts that, once had such a hold over you we spoke about this yesterday amy when we were like the minute you realize you've got a choice in where you want to distribute your energy and you can choose you actually can decide what you're going to care about it's a game changer 100 it's like i don't need to care about that i don't need to worry about that or that has no no emphasis on the way that i feel about myself but i guess where a lot of people tend to get caught up is that they don't actually realize that they have that choice. They're just bound to these beliefs. Um, So it's really mind blowing. And I guess like just being able to sort of take or have a process um, and show people that there is a pathway towards that is really, really cool. Yeah. I think too, it's also that, like you said, that ownership of 
you know, it's fine to be like, oh, I don't care about this. I don't care about that. But it is that betrayal of self when you really do. Mm. And um, I think when we realize we have a choice, it becomes a safer place to lean into ownership as well. Mm -hmm. And you don't feel so like, well, fuck, if I own up to that, then I, you know, I am all these things and that's it. And I just press stop. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I think for me, I first heard the choice thing or at first resonated with me at least through like a, a Gabby Bernstein book, I think. And I was like, I can choose again mm. <laughs> I into this. And it was just, it's, it's a huge thing that I say to myself often when I can feel the spiral happening, it's just, you know, how, how would I like this to be? How would I like to feel? How, you know, how could I choose something else? And then, looking at again it's like what do those thought then what actions sorry do those thoughts then lead to and like what am I working towards and what actions would help me get there what thoughts would support those actions and it, it, it's a bit of a process like the other day I, I sort of had I moved through something really fast it's probably the fastest I've ever moved through something maybe in like uh two hours and I was like shit like mm. a lot faster because sometimes it's six months you know <laughs> sometimes like a long <laughs> just gonna sit on this piece of shit for a long time <laughs> and wonder why I'm so unhappy yeah. <laughs> and it's that moment I guess of yeah that responsibility and ownership is freedom even though it can feel like it's not the first time you sort of hear that concept it's like smash <laughs> yeah yeah it's like oh how boring yeah. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. Kat, I'd like to finish off with a question, which I think you've mm. really actually already answered, but if there were two really big mindset shifts or perspective shifts that, you know, your clients coming to you um, could sit with in terms of, and we'll link it back to sort of our clients, that high achiever perfectionist type A, if there were two mindset shifts that could help them live into a more authentic self, mm. what might they be? The first thing that comes to mind, and it's a very regular thing that I'll, I share with my coaching clients because I, you know, I tend to attract a, a certain type too. Um, it's, you know, there, there are so many things that we can want to fix about ourselves, right? There's so many things that we can go, oh, here it is. Oh, what about that? And what about that? And what about that? And what about that? To the point where we want it gone forever, you know, like, and, and I think about a client of mine who came to me and she was, had big anxiety and she's like, I never want to experience it again. I want it gone forever and I will work my ass off to, to make it gone. I was like, sister, you need to fucking change your focus, you know, because what she was, and she actually had a, a perfectionistic limiting belief, a big one. Um, what she was about to do was spend the rest of her life fixing all the things before she could be happy, fulfilled, X, Y, Z, right? So the biggest thing that I, that I would say, there is so much discipline in leaving a lot of your shit alone. There is so much discipline to leave all your broken pieces, all your broken selves, all your whatever you want to call it alone. To know that it's there, to be aware that it's there and to not allow it to impact your life in such a way 
is one thing and that's probably the most powerful thing but when you try and fucking fix all of it so you can feel complete oh I'm all together now now I can go be my authentic self that's because this is what I thought I thought this too I was on a quest to be to be a hundred percent like Jesus and Mary and Joseph and one human then I could be whatever and then after 12 months of trying to do that I was like uh-huh why am I not like Jesus, Mary or Joseph yet? You know, seriously. I remember I would set these traps for myself of I have to wake up with positive thoughts and have positive thoughts all day and go to bed positive. Then I can be the best coach ever. And I did that, I I promise you, for six months. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm no closer to this. I'm no closer. I was no closer to the outcome because it was a false outcome. So what I would say is you know, like go to the heart of what's fucking important, like what actually matters, right? Go to the heart of what is truly going to matter to you at the end of your life and the end of your days when you're on that rocking chair on your front porch or whatever you are in the world and you're like, oh my God, I'm so glad that's what I made important and, 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 le- and leave, leave, all your broken pieces alone, leave them to be broken, allow yourself to coexist with your brokenness because then you don't have to make yourself perfect. You don't have to make yourself worthy. You don't have to make yourself enough through putting all the pieces back together. How you will actually experience that is by focusing on things that truly matter to your heart and allow yourself to experience, you know, joy and, and, and deserving of things and and going after the things that you actually want that is where you know worth is discovered not in putting everything back together that's what I would say wow (laughs) I have just I hope you guys have absolutely love this podcast fucking hell it's it's (laughs) like the most powerful podcast we've had it's just been just yeah kind of speechless thank you so much (laughs) my pleasure my pleasure so much for sharing all of that about you about the processes you use with your clients and you know how our guys can also implement those to help them be more authentic it's just Mm. the it's just the coolest thing like if I wasn't a coach I would still be doing this stuff and and seeking it out and it's so incredibly interesting empowering and it like personally inspiring it, it just the coolest thing ever amen yeah amen <laughs> i reckon that's a great place to leave it so if you oh. <laughs> if you absolutely love the podcast if you want to sc- uh, screenshot it on insta tag cat nat myself and stc fit we would love to love to hear that message us in the dms tell us what you took away from it any really powerful moments And we will see you guys, uh, what, in two weeks, Matt? I don't know when this one's coming out. (laughs) All right, over and out.